guys, welcome back to the Retort Podcast. I hope your week is going well. How's your week, Jordan? It's long, productive. Really? Yeah. Mine, I could say the same for me, actually. Mine's been pretty productive as well. Um, my friend's birthday is on Monday, so we're by the time this comes out, it'll be on Monday. So it's like we're taking her on like a surprise uh, staycation. Ooh. We're going to Red Lodge. We all got an Airbnb. There's like eight of us. And um, we're going to go up to the mountains, and there's a, ho- there's a hot tub and everything. And so we're just going to stay up there for the weekend and just chill out. So we've been trying to get all of our homework done early before we have to leave. So it's been a crazy week. Yeah, is it the same place when you went to go skiing? No, I don't, I've never been to this cabin before. But the good thing is she can bring her dog. So Oh, even better. Yeah. Her dog is so terrible in the car, though. We're going to have to, like sedate her or something yeah <laughs> she's psychotic um yeah no it has a hot tub and then we're gonna go like hiking in the mountains and stuff and mm. it'll be really nice it'll be a really good break but i had two job interviews today for summer jobs yeah i had one at ganan's the greenhouse mm-hmm. um it was all right it was gorgeous in there like all the flowers and stuff oh yeah it was so beautiful um, and then I had, um, one at Planet Fitness too for the summer Oh, to just work at Planet Fitness, which oh. I already go to, like, that's where my gym is. So mm-hmm. it'd be fine. I'm kind of leaning towards Planet Fitness right now, but we'll see. So I could become like a trainer or just going to work at the front desk? Just like front desk uh. duties. I'm not qualified to be a trainer. <laughs> they get paid pretty decent. So mm-hmm. I was just looking for a summer job that was like easy. You know, I just wanted something easy. Because my internship is, like, so draining. And then this is frustrating sometimes. Like, yeah. today, we've been try- I've been trying pretty much all day to get our audio interface to let us record with three mics. And for some reason, it decided to stop working. So, Damn. it's been a day. It's been a week. It's been a long week. Yeah. I feel like the weeks are just longer and longer. Maybe it's just that time of the semester where everybody's just burnt out. Oh, yeah, but it's been like a mini break. I think it was like a febr- April 17th. Oh, really? We, yeah. have, we have a day off? No, it's like a mini break. I think that's how it is for all classes, I believe. I mean, that's how it is for my syllabus. Hmm. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be very nice. And today's my last day for her exercise physiology lab. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you have to do any, like, final projects? Uh, that's not until I got to do, like, a final lab, like, at the end of the, end of the month. End of April. Oh, okay. So but this is just your last day of class? Yeah. So you have, like, the whole month to, of April to do it? Yeah, basically. But we basically got to choose out, like, when do we get to do our final project, even no matter what. So, And end of April seems like basically the best time since it was open. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I have extra credit due this weekend. I don't have to do it, obviously, because it's extra credit. But it's, like, I'm going to do it. It's like a long essay, and it's only worth 10 points. I'm like, this is way too much work, and it's worth way more than 10 points, but I'll take it. I'll take it where I can get it, I guess. I feel like I'm just so tired, too, like, just mentally and physically exhausted. Yeah. Well, I hope you're not too exhausted, because the conspiracy theory I brought for you today is puzzling. All right. But before that, you got any stories for me? Yep. All right, let's get into it. Stories 
right, so for this story, it's basically a, it's basically a combination of my conspiracy theory and part of the stories with Jay. And this conspiracy, this conspiracy theory, well, well, I kind of thought about it, thought about doing it for a while, as I've heard about it for a couple of years ago, and involved some corruption. That's why the, some of the some of the crimes have been swept underneath the rug with with indig with indig with indigenous people. So. So after doing further more research, I find it's like pretty interesting and dark at the same time. So, so this story is called Sakatoon Starlight Tour Conspiracy. Oh man, I've never heard of this one. Yep. First Nations, Inuit, Mets, and Mets in Canada have long have long known that that the police cannot be trusted and that can Canada has pretty has a pretty pretty complex history overall but it took until early 2000s that one one of the more more horrific police practices targeted indigenous communities known as starlight tours have been investigated however police don't police often didn't leave a paper trial leaving little evidence for convictions even today but unfortunately even when there is evidence that that a starlight tour occurred the most that will often happen is that the police will be sat with a minor charge, severe a handful of months, and perhaps get fired. What happened? So a starlight tour is that what you're saying? Yep. What's that? You'll find out. Okay, sounds good. So meanwhile, though those who survive starlight tours are haunted by the memory of their experiences, and suffer lifelong physical and mental con consequences. Although police abuse abuses in Canada are often referred as starlight tours, and when when they are involved being when they are involved being driven in a police cruiser, the starlight tours of Sakatoon, Sakatoon, Sakajuia present their horror. But unfortunately, even when there there is evidence that a starlight tour occurred, the most that will often happen is th is that the police officer will be stabbed with stabbed with minor charge, minor charges, serve handful of months, and perhaps get fired. Meanwhile, yeah, yeah, meanwhile, uh, yeah, yeah, meanwhile. Meanwhile, those who survive are, are haunted by the mem memories and suffer lifelong physical and men mental consequences. Tragically, there's no there's no way of knowing exactly how many of the victims of Starlight Tours in Saskatoon or elsewhere. According to CBS report, those who those who survive of often don't speak out because it's police investigating police. Although Canada's indigenous popula population number numbered hundreds of thousands before European colonizations, those numbers have fallen to about one one hundred and twenty five thousands recorded individuals by eighteen sixty seven. Canada's in indigenous ha people have, have fought against diseases like smallpox sarcosis as rampant as warfare as and assimilation assimilation measurements like those forced forced upon indigenous people in the United States. According to or Origins, Canada identifies three broad groups of indigenous people, First Nations, Inuits, and Metis, legally differential depending on, the, on their ancestry, while Canada chose assimilation and segregation compared to the United States policy of extermination. The National Co Collaborating, Collaborating Center, Center for Indigenous Health and Health reports indigenous people to continue to be oppressed by systematic racism. According to the Canadian Encyclopedia under the 1876 Indian Act, many First Nations people were confined to reservations like, like their indigenous neighbors in America. 
The can Canadian government implemented a myriad of regulations, controls, and limits on indigenous people designed to crush their way of life. In 1886, the Indian, Indian Act was amended to make quote-unquote Indian residential schools mandatory for indigenous children. Thousands of children were isolated from their communities and traditions in unhealthy and dangerous schools. According to the Independent, over 3,000 children have died due to the hor horrifying abuses they experienced at these schools. At least dozens were killed in an attempt to escape. The last federally run school violence wasn't closed until 1996. I have, I've listened to a podcast about residential schools and how terrible they were. Like, we're talking murder, rape, starvation, torture to these children. And a lot of the times they would colonize them and teach them the ways of the white man and, like, Catholic or use Christianity and teach them Christianity. And then if they survived they would graduate these boarding schools and go back to their tribes and not feel any like all of their culture had been stripped away from them they're they don't really feel any connection to their spirituality and their tribes and their families anymore it's truly absolutely horrifying oh yeah it is especially because that's supposed to be my second story but unfortunately like i found this found this residential school and and unfortunately there's just like so much details and interview interviews about it to the point where like it just kind of made it so confusing to the point yeah, where... Yeah, a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, too overwhelming to the point where if I tried to make it one story and make it make it sound sense and overflow, it just, I just couldn't. So if you want to listen... So if you want me to report on that, maybe, and then maybe we could. And if you make the make the correct story and identify which school I want to... I would discuss about, we could use that like a, mm -hmm. as like a surprise giveaway. Yeah. In in the two thousands, another horrifying practice was brought to brought to the non indigenous Canadian public awareness known as quote unquote starlight tours, quote unquote starlight cruises, or quote unquote midnight rides rides. This appealing practice involves a police officer driving an indi an indigenous person to the city outskirts and leaving them there as the human rights watch reports quote unquote walking home in the dead of winter rising risking death by hypothermia. According to the conversation, the practice is especially lethal when the temperature is negative 28 degrees Celsius, which is, which is translated to negative 18.5 degrees in Fahrenheit. And if the long walk back to town is undertaken without proper clothing and shoes, although the most well-known incident occurred in the 1990 Starlight Tours when have been recorded as early as 1976, McLean reports that many incidents happened in Saskatoon, Sacagawea. According to the Radicalization, Crime, and Criminal Justice in Canada, although indigenous organizations and activists report repeatedly demand a public inquiry, the Saskatoon Police Service insisted that the Starlight Tours were a quote-unquote myth. Meanwhile, some believed that Starlight Tours were inherently sinister. Instead, quote-unquote, grew, grew out of police frustration at dealing with repeated offenders. Since the police were said to target quote-unquote drunk or rattly individuals, the police could could have been in, intended to avoid booking the booking people and sit, giving them a chance to walk off their intoxication. However, other other than the fact that that this is a terrible way to s help sober up, this practice is nothing more than abuse of power by the police force. For sure, that sounds really scary, especially if you're drunk, you get picked up by a cop whose job is to keep you safe and help you, and they drop you off in the middle of nowhere. 
in the dead of winter. Walk home. Good luck. Yep. Like, it's just barbaric. In in the story, Greg ha- has been on four Starlight tours. One once was driven 50 kilometers, which is 31 miles outside of Saskatoon. Quote, in an interview, he, he was asked, asked him, if, he, if I was asked again, I was asking him, where am I going? Where are you guys going? They said, well, if you are such a such a badass and got a lot of steam, if you want to be a troublemaker, he said, you want to blow steam then? He goes, well, you can blow steam out of town. So so we were driven. I was driven to the boarding bridge. When I got, got to the boarding bridge, I was taken out, out, out of the car at the back. I, w- I had been handcuffed through the ride. I stood at the back and they took me out of the vehicle. They they told me, "Wow." Well, he said, "This is how it is." He they, he said, "You can walk home." And and he said, "When you walk home, he said, if if we ever catch you out here being a foul mouthed little a-hole, next time we'll we'll drive you further or something else will happen." He says. So the cuffs were taken off and they had driven away and I ended up walking home, and it took me about seven hours to get home. As as that's what Greg says. Goodness. When was this? Uh, this was this was back in the 1990s. Okay, so th- like yeah, before cell phones or anything, so he couldn't even call anybody and be like, "Hey, the cops brought me out to the middle of nowhere. I'm about to freeze to death. Can you come pick me up?" Like he didn't even have cell phones weren't a thing until like the 2000s. Oh yeah, unless I had those big big old mega yeah, mega cell friggin phones. Yeah, walkie talkies. Yeah. <laughs> and why why didn't why didn't you? Why didn't you, you know, make a complaint, brass ass? If I launched a complaint, it would never have gone anywhere in my mind. It was, it was just, it was just, it was the same thing. Police investigating police, and their brotherhood. Greg says there are stories like like these all over town, but there are no records, no paper trail. Still at, still at a vigil, to remember the dead man's suspicions are now openly traded that police may have deliberately left Indians to fend for themselves in freezing temperatures. Those fears have only worsened the deep mistrust p- between police and the native community in a CBS report. The first, the first recorded case of the Starlight Tour occurred on May, 20 t- May 22, 1976. According to Starlight Tour, The Last Lonely Night of Neil Stonechild, which is a book, during the night, first three, nation, three, first three nations people and eight-month month Pregnant woman and two men were taken from a party by con- Constable Kenkin, driven to the outskirts of the city, dropped off by an isolated Queen Elizabeth power, sh- power station near the South Sacagawea River, and forced to walk back into the deadly freezing temperatures. The area was notorious as a drop-off point for indigenous people, as as houses were far away f- that anyone left there by police wouldn't be hurt. All three indigenous people survived this nightmare experience, according to Starlight Tour. King reported it, driving them outside of the city limits as punishment for having quote-unquote liquor in the place other than dwelling, but neglected to charge them. Constable King ended up being charged with discreditable conduct and ne- neglect of duty, and although he denied the charge, he was found guilty and fi- fined $200 on October 15. However, this fine was amountable to a week's pay. So he just didn't get paid for a week, pretty much? Yeah, basically. Even though he was found guilty, was did you say an eight a lady who was eight months pregnant? Yes. At a party. Yep. Was she drinking? I do not know. I couldn't find that out. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. And then, 
the Neostone child was a Saltewitz Creek First Nations te teenager found frozen in the field on the outskirts of Saskatoon in 1990. The con con conversation reports that on October 10, 1990, bod the body of Neostone child, a Saltewitz First Nations teen, was found frozen in the field on the outskirts of Saskatoon. It was negative 28 degrees Celsius. He was just 17 years old at the time of his death. He was he was seen wearing only jeans and a light jacket and was missing missing one shoe. On December 5, 1990, the Saskatoon Police Service closed the investigation in the death of Neil Stonechild. Despite visible injuries to the body of the indigenous teenager, the file the fire was closed. The investigation closed before receiving the coroner, coroner's report, before receiving a, receiving the toxicology report, and before completing interviews with all the witnesses. And then dying from imp dying from improvement, critical race scholar Shireen Razak discussed the Stone Child inquiry. She reports that investigation of investigation officer said said the kid went out, got drunk, and went for a walk and froze to death. It would take over a decade that the freezing temperature, freezing deaths of two or more men and near death of another crack to the case would be open. Near the, t near the teenager, once dismissed as a drunk and responsible for his own death and would be subject of a police inquiry that would lead to the firing of two police officers, his death would become synonymous with, ra with racialized police practice called Starlight Tours. That's so these cops drove him out there and left him out there and he froze to death? Yep. That's murder. Basically. Second degree. Well, who knows? Could have been their intent to kill him. I mean, you can't just drop people in the middle of nowhere and expect them to just walk back and sub like it doesn't work. No, no. God, that's terrible. And on, on January 28, 2000, Daryl Knight became another victim of Starlet Tours, although McLean reports that he was thankfully able to survive three-mile walk from home in negative seven degrees Fahrenheit. Driven outside the city of Saskatoon by police officers Ken Munson and Dan Hatchin, Knight walked back with just a t-shirt and jean jacket. According to View Weekly, Knight says that he was leaving the party when two officers grabbed and cuffed him. He was dumped out the freezing weather. He called out to the cops driving away. Their only response was, that's their effing problem. Later, when Munson and Hatchin were asked to explain their actions, they claimed that Knight had quote-unquote wanted to be dropped off there to walk off his anger, quote-unquote. Daryl was able to find his way, find his way to a power station where he could catch the attention of a security guard and call a taxi. He made it home, becoming one of the reported survivors of the Stardust tours. Although Daryl filed a report, Niche Canada says he didn't expect anyone to believe him. But within days, the frozen bodies of two more First Nations people were discovered in the same area where Daryl was found. The result led to Daryl to ask a full full report, sending off a chain of events that include reopening the Stone Child case and reviewing to the public the extent of the police practice. So three kids died now? Yep. Wow. On January 29, 2000, the day after Daryl's night's abduction, the body of Rodney Natuas was discovered near the Queen Elizabeth power station. Several days later, on February 3rd, Lawrence Wagner's body frozen body was found in the exact same location. Their remains were discovered close to the same spot where Knight had been abandoned by two Saskatoon police officers. The police were finally forced to investigate. These planes have been... Oh my gosh. They like... I was running on the rims earlier and they like rattled my brain. And then I got to my apartment after I got done running. Mm -hmm. I swear the entire house was shaking. 
It was insane. I was like, I thought we were going to get, like, ran into by one of these planes. That's how close and how loud it was. I couldn't even hear my TV. I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, that's us, especially living on, living by the, living in Ramaka, had the helicopters. Yeah, I remember one time, not to get off track, but I remember yeah. one time when I lived in the dorms, um, I was sitting in my bed and like this airplane zoomed by it was so loud i thought it was running into the dorms for sure mm-hmm. i was like well i'm dead like it w- oh my gosh it's insane oh yeah and according to the report of the commissions of Im- inquiry and in matters of relating to the relating to the death of neil stonechild in response to these deaths there was al- allegations the attorney general for sacajuia ordered the royal canadian mounted police to investigate the freezing deaths although stonechild's death was including part of the initial investigation after after sacatoon star phoenix published an article by leslie perrotts that linked their sterile stories with the death of of neil stonechild neil stonechild the r RCMP fa- decided to finally investigate Stonechild's death as well, almost a decade after his death. However, the inquiry f- into Daryl Knight's in- incident resulted in a conviction, and both Munson and Hatchet were sentenced to eight months in prison. The maximum possible sentence was 10 years. Daryl Knight, Knight eventually left Saskatoon and moved to British Columbia as as he found it difficult to recover from his traumatic experience while saying this while staying in the same look environment where it occurred. Tragically, Knight continues to have trouble hearing and communicating due to the startup tour. Quote unquote, I have never received an apology from the police for what, what was done to me, quote unquote, he told McLean's According to a Starlight Tours, Dusty Horn was released from police custody on January ni- 19, 2000. Quote despite obvious signs he was hallucinating, quote he was found dead outside of his apartment building only three hours later. Although Iron Child's brother argued that if the police had taken Iron Child to the hospital rather than sending him home, he might still be alive. The police were found not responsible for Iron, Ch- Iron Child's death. The same, the same was determined during Dusty Horn's in- inquest. Although neither Iron Child's nor Dusty Horn's death technically count as started tours, their deaths and the subsequent incident inquests were demonstrated of Sacatoon's police services dismiss- dismissive attitude towards the deaths of indigenous people. According to the report, a commission an inquiry into matters relating to the death of Neil Stonechild having both Hartwig, Sin, and Sinjo argued that they were, inc- that they were incident, innocent. Still, still, there was ev- evidence suggesting that they were deliberating, trying to deceive the inquiry. According to the Sacatoon Star, Star Phoenix, the original investigation into Stonechild's death was described as a quote-unquote superficial at best and was, was concluded prematurely, quote-unquote. November 2004, both Hartwig and Singer were fired from duty. Despite appealing their dismissal, they were rejected. Yet no, crimico- no criminal charges were filed, and as of 2001, 2021, no no officer has ever been convicted for for a star tour. When the ha- when Hatchin and Munson were jailed, they were qu- they were mi- mercifully convicted of quote unlawful and confinement. Between tu- between 2012 through 2016, the the Star Tourist section of the Saskatoon Police Services Wikipedia article was, den- was deleted several times. An internal investigation revealed that two of the edits of two of two of the edits originated from a computer within the police service. A spokesperson for the police was the first 
A spokesperson for, for the force denied the staff officially approved the content removal. On March 30 31st, 2016, the Saskatoon Star reported that the Saskatoon police have confirmed that someone was inside the police department and deleted references to startup tools from the Wikipedia webpage about the police force. According to the report, a police spokesperson acknowledged that that the section on the startup tours had been deleted using the computer within the department, but said investigators were unable to pinpoint who did it. A police spokeswoman said, said, that, said the force is working to quote unquote, move forward with all the positive work that had been done and continues to be done with all the that came out, out of the Stone Child inquiry. Quote unquote. When police can maintain that Greg has a criminal record, many argue that that this is still no excuse for leaving him alone 31 miles outside of Saskatoon. Greg remembers that it took him seven hours to get home from one encounter. When asked why he never made a complaint, Greg stated that it's police investigating police. Alexis Young, a First Nations filmmaker, is another survivor of the Starlight Tours and violence against transgender women. She told the Aboriginal Multimedia Society, Young, Young said that police officers even took her shoes and coat before leaving her outside Saskatoon. Even though many stories like this exist, it's difficult to find physical records of these encounters. As a result, it is difficult to know how many people have died due to Starlight Tours. These incidents are, aren't limited to Saskatoon either. Wow, that's that's just oh, I'm just in awe right now. Mm. And here's this part. According to CTV News in Mont Montreal, J Julian Menzies Men reached a twenty-five thousand dollars settlement with the city city after accusing Officer Stephanie Trudeau of taking him on his on a startup tour in May two thousand twelve. Julian Men Menzies witnessed an altercation between police and a cyclist near his home in Plateau. Men Menzies said he believed the officer was, was being aggressive and offered to be a witness for the cyclist. The officer threw Men Menzies to the ground and was arrested. He was taken, taken on a so-called starter tour and ride in a police car where the officer used erratic driving to scare and intimidate. Menzies said said he was in the back of the patrol car without a seatbelt and Trudeau would, would accelerate and brake suddenly, causing him to crash face first into the police police car's plexiglass divider. Menzies was awarded $40,000 by the Quebec Human Rights Commission in, in January 2017, but the police and but the city and police force refused to pay. And quote unquote, I try and say, say, look, this happened to me. It doesn't mean it's every police officer. And I said, I, I know it isn't, he said, but I'm very suspicious and, and I'm reluctant re 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 <laughs> and I try to avoid every police officer as the best I can. The settlement does not include any official apology or admission of guilt. Trudeau was found guilty uh, of assault and in an unrelated case in 2016 and is no longer a member of the SPVM. This violence can occur even when police is, are called for aid. In June 2020, Chantal Moore, a 26-year-old First Nation woman, was killed by the police in New, in New Brunswick after, after being caught to her apartment at 2.30 a.m. for a wellness check, plus, after, plus to suffering physical abuse and death in the hands of police. Indigenous people in Canada are victims of crimes and are also ignored by the police to a frightening degree. According to the Human Watch, can Humans Watch, Humans Rights Watch, Can Canadian police, Can Canadian law enforcement has failed to address problems leading to the disappearance and deaths of Indigenous girls and, and women in Canada. 
because it's well, you always hear about um my microphone just zapped me again <laughs> you always hear about um how america in the past and in the present have wronged um native american people i'm taking intro to native american studies right now and i'm learning all about it you know um residential schools uh broken treaties trail of tears all that stuff we hear about it um what we don't hear about is that canada was just as bad if not worse yeah. and how all like i remember was it in october or september when they were finding all those the bodies of the children in the residential schools in canada and i feel like i don't know i've never really learned about how horrible canada was to their uh indigenous population but I definitely learned, and it's something we should learn about, you know? We should learn about this stuff so that it doesn't happen again. That's the whole point of history is to learn from past mistakes of humanity, right? Yep. But this, um, it's just, I don't know, it's such an abuse of power, and it's just, it's really sad that people had to die like this. Like, freezing to death is not a fun way to go. No. Nah. <laughs> and nobody should have to go through that, especially at such a young age. It's really sad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Keeping with the conspiracy theme, Jordan, what? have you ever heard of Princess Diana? I've heard about it. Have you? Have you heard about all the conspiracies behind her death? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I remember, I, I remember hearing about the conspiracy about Princess Diana, but I'm not sure why. Mm -hmm. Well, my friend, buckle up. All right. So... Diana Frances Spencer was born July 1st, and she was the fourth of five children born to John Spencer, the eighth Earl, and his first wife, Frances Ruth Roche. Mm -hmm. um, her parents got divorced when she was six, and um, her older brother blames their divorce on the loss of their younger brother, who died within hours of his birth. Mm -hmm. It's just a fun fact for you. Diana's parents remarried, and at age nine, she enrolled in Riddlesworth Hall, an all-girls boarding school in Norfolk. She was given the title of lady at age 13 in 1975, after her grandmother dies, and her father inherits the title of Earl of Spencer and the Althorpe state, estate. So this is in, um, obviously, the uh, Great Britain, the United Kingdom. Um, it's all about the crown and royalty, and obviously, we don't really know much about that. We don't really know how to like experience that because that's not the way our government works nope. um but yeah it's still very much relevant today so diana first meets her future husband prince charles and at the time he was actually dating diana's older sister hmm. which is a little weird <laughs> i don't know huh. he was also like 13 years older than her too oh yeah uh prince charles took her sailing on a royal yacht and uh, the tabloids got a hold of their uh, relationship. And Prince Philip, Prince Charles's dad, Prince Philip, writes a letter to his son, urging him to either propose or to break up with Diana. Mm -hmm. And so Charles proposes. So in 1981, Charles and Diana go public with their engagement. And she had this infamous sapphire and diamond ring. And of course... It was huge because yep. it's, it's royalty. She's royalty. She's Princess Diana, you know? Yeah. Her, her, her uh, bodyguard told her on the last night before she married him, mm. I just want you to know this is the last night of freedom for the rest of your life, so make the most of it. Ooh. 
Is that just eerie? Yeah. Ugh. Throughout her time as a royal, she was constantly pissing off the crown. Uh, she wore a plunging black gown, and apparently that was really bad. Mm. Like, you don't want to show off more skin than you have to. The crown is extremely Catholic as well. Um, so she, like, was just making all types of waves and, you know, pissing off the crown mm-hmm. and doing things that were very progressive, and we wouldn't even think twice about them now, like wearing a dress that shows your back. Like, we wouldn't even think about that now. Oh, yeah. But for the time, it was pretty uh, scandalous of her. Mm. She was fat shamed by the paparazzi, which led to her contracting an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. So less than a month after her 20th birthday, she wed Charles. So she was 20. He was 32. Oh. Yeah. They had 2,500 guests. And um, another cool thing about Diana, when she said her vows, she didn't say that she would obey her husband. Which, that's really bad, again, because all wives are supposed to obey in the Catholic faith. But she didn't say that. So that is another thing that, like, I'm like, heck yeah, go Diana. But yep. the crown was like, that's not cool. You have to obey your husband, you know? Yep. And they actually delayed their first kiss until they returned to the to the venue. So that's kind of neat. So in 1981, Diana becomes pregnant with her first child. The couple's first child, Prince William. All, okay, both of their children have... Literally, uh, just a string of first names as all their names. So it's Prince William Arthur Philip Lewis. Hmm. <laughs> or Louis. It's Louis. Is born at St. London's Mary Hospital. Um, where that baby, his own children, will be born at the same hospital decade, three decades later. Which oh. is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. So together with Charles, Diana, and nine-month-old son, old son William embark on their first royal tour together tour together to Australia and New Zealand. Mm. Um, and in 1984, they had their second son, listen to this name, Prince Henry Charles Albert David. Hmm. So just a list of first names. It'd be like John Jacob Jinkelheimer Smith. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Charles wanted a girl and complained that uh, his son was a boy and mm. he was mad that he was also a ginger. So that kind of sucks. Damn. <laughs> So this is about the time Diana said she started to feel the divide between her and her husband. Mm -hmm. Um, Something inside her closed off, and whatever love she had left for him kind of dissipated. Mm -hmm. He was also, she was very much aware that he was having an affair with um, Camilla Parker Bowles. And she she knew it, for sure. First Lady Nancy Reagan, uh, Ronald Reagan's wife, actually orchestrated a... dance with Diana, Princess Diana and John Travolta at the White House, which I never knew that, but mm. it'd be cool to be John Travolta <laughs> and get to dance with Di- Princess Diana. Yeah. So another cool thing that she did, um, at the peak of the homophobia and the AIDS epidemic, uh, Diana sh- actually shook hands with a man suffering the disease without gloves. Ooh. And um, it was it was a big deal because uh, it helped to dispel the misconception that AIDS could be transmitted by casual contact. People had the idea that if you shook hands, you could get AIDS, which isn't true. It's bodily fluids. Yeah. So that's what she she did. She, um, there's a picture of her shaking the hand of a man with AIDS, and that really did a lot for. Um, it's like one of the most important things a royal has ever done, because it really uh, changed the sentiment around the disease. Mm-hmm. So during Camilla Parker, Camilla Bowles is her husband's mistress, right? Yeah. And during Camila's sister's 
40th birthday party, Diana finally confronts her about the ongoing affair. And she says this, exactly this. I would like you to know that I know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like, Camila, like, went white. And she was like, and, she's, and she told her not to treat her like an idiot. And uh, Diana later says that that was one of her bravest moments, was standing up to her husband's mistress like that. Yeah. In 1991, Prince William had a severe head injury at boarding school. He actually got hit in the head with a club. And uh, Charles was not there. He had plans, so he didn't go to the hospital. And Diana is quoted saying, what sort of father of an eight-year-old boy nearly brained by a golf club leads, leaves the hospital before knowing the outcome for the night for a night at the op- opera. And that's what he did, you know? I feel like he was just a very absent husband and father. So the infidelity actually went both ways. Diana was cheating on Charles, but she knew that Charles was cheating on her, too. Um, she had a couple boyfriends uh, throughout, before, they were, before and after they were eventually divorced. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until 1992 that they officially separated. And then in 1993, um, they call it Camilla Gate, uh, which was audio recordings of phone conversations between Charles and his mistress. <laughs> this is really gross. He told her he wanted to be her tampon. Oh. Yeah. Yeek. Isn't that, oh, isn't that <laughs> nasty? I would be so embarrassed if I was Diana. I'd be embarrassed of him. How did how did his how did his mistress react to react to Prince Charles saying that? I don't know. I'm sure. Well, she's. I'm sure. She, like I imagine, she was into it. That sounds like some kind of weird fetish. Yeah. Huh. It's nasty. Yeah, it must be freaky going on. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. In 1996, the royal divorce is finally finalized, and you know, like I like I said, they're Catholic. Divorce is not good. Divorce is. They tried to avoid it, you know? Yeah. Um, but Diana was awarded a lump sum settlement of $22.5 million in cash, as well as about $600,000 a year to maintain her private office in addition to receiving permission to continue living in their Kensington Palace apartment. Hmm. She agrees to give up any future claim of being queen. Mm-hmm. However, she is stripped of her royal of the title Her Royal Highness and is henceforth referred to as Diana, Princess of Wales, mm-hmm. which this was seen as like a petty move. On part of the crown. Yep. In 1997, Diana walked through a minefield in war-torn Angolia to support the Red Cross's call for a ban on landmines and to showcase the demining work being done by one of the charities she patr- she supported. Two decades later, her guide recounted the nervous episode to BBC. This poor woman was about to go live in a minefield, a dangerous area, in front of however many hundreds of millions or billions of people on the news. And I thought back to the first time I went to the minefield, and I was petrified. And you can actually look this video up. She walked through a minefield. She's just so cool. <laughs> She's so cool. Uh, after her split with uh, her boyfriend, or I mean her husband, she had one boyfriend who was a doctor, but he was kind of irrelevant. And then she had her newest fling, which was Dodie Fade, or Fayed, F-A-Y-E-D. Hmm. Pardon if I'm saying that wrong. My bad. On the night she died, she died of a car accident, and he was, Jody, or Dodie was actually with her. It was her, Dodie, her bodyguard, and the driver, and apparently the driver was severely intoxicated, and he was found to be 
His blood alcohol level is three times over that of the legal limit in Paris. They were in Paris, BT dubs. So they were running away from paparazzi, and they go through this tunnel. And they just happen to go through a tunnel where there's no cameras or any other cars to witness this crash. He crashed the Mercedes into a cement pillar within the tunnel, Mm -hmm. killing himself and Dodie instantly. Diana and her bodyguard, Trevor, are taken to the hospital. So Diana succumbs to her injuries, mostly cardiac injuries, and is pronounced dead at 4 a.m. at age 36. Charles accompanies his ex-wife's remains back from Paris, along with her older sisters, Sarah and Jane. Millions around the world watch Diana's funeral procession and service. Later that day, her remains are transported home to her family's estate in Althorpe, where she was buried. So that is all of the... Um, cool things. Well, I'm sure she's done more cool things than that, but that's like the majority of the cool things that Diana accomplished throughout her life. And just a little bit about who she is as a person. Like I said, Diana did a lot of things that pissed off the crown. Um, Especially her new boyfriend. She was rumored to be pregnant with his baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Her new boyfriend was Muslim, but he wasn't like, he was from a Muslim family. So he was, he was brown. Yep. And he wasn't, like, a practicing Muslim, I don't think. Oh. But um, he still identified as a Muslim. Oh, yeah. And the crown would not like that because they're racist. I mean, you've seen how they act with Meghan Markle. They're racist. Yeah. And um, they were f- afraid that Diana was going to have kids with him. And the princes would have um, brown siblings, mm-hmm. which would not be good to the crown. For some reason. For some unknown reason. The crown really cares about that. So that's one motive that they had to kill her. So she was actually preg tested when um, they brought her in to the hospital and just found that she was not pregnant. But there's speculation that that was fudged because for whatever reason, they didn't want anything to get out about that, you know? Yeah. There's also a conspiracy theory that Diana's driver was an informant for the Secret Service. And um, he's... Former M-16 officer Richard Tomlinson spread a rumor that he'd seen intelligence files for an assassination assassination of a foreign politician in Paris that had eerie similarity to Diana's deadly crash, leading to rumors that the driver was in the scheme and was feeding information to the M-16. But the driver, I feel like that's not very credible because the driver did die on impact. Her bodyguard didn't. So there was like speculation that he knew what was going on. And uh, none of them were wearing seatbelts, according to what happened on the... Um, according to, you know, the police, yep. um, which is weird because Diana was always an advocate for safety yep. and she was an advocate for wearing her seatbelts. Um, and every picture of her taken that she's in a car, she's wearing a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. And so it was weird that she wasn't wearing one that night, but whatever. So when police arrived on scene of the crash, Diana was still alive. And the closest hospital was five minutes away. But they didn't go to that hospital. They took her to a hospital 45 minutes away. Hmm. And um, they said that they they did that because uh, the hospital that was closest was not equipped to handle her injuries. Which, fair enough, I see that. But it's still a little fishy. Um, They also worked on her for like an hour on scene before the ambulances transported her to the hospital at all. Oh, yeah. And I think that's because French, um, the policies in French, in France is that you work on them until they're, like, as stable as you can get them, and then you take them to the hospital. Where here, it's like, get them to the hospital 
as fast as possible. Yeah. Get them in good enough conditions where they can make it to the hospital because that's where all the good equipment is. So it makes sense, right? Right. Apparently, they also stopped the ambulance to administer adrenaline for Diana. Hmm. And you'd think that these paramedics would be trained to administer it while they're driving, but I guess not. Um, yeah, they stopped it for another 10 minutes. And by the time they got to the hospital, it was pretty much too late. Um, Diana succumbed to her injuries. The most damning evidence, I think, is this note that Diana allegedly wrote her bodyguard. And I say allegedly because there's no way we can prove it was in her handwriting. And yep. there's no way we can prove that the bodyguard didn't fudge it together. And, um, but this is what it says. I'm sitting here at my desk in October longing for someone to hug me and encourage me and keep me strong and hold my head high. This particular phase in my life is the most dangerous. My husband is planning, quote, an accident in my car, brake failure, and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for him to marry again. Camila is da 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 da. So if that, if Diana actually wrote that, she was like pretty sure that the crown was going to try and kill her. And she even, like, apparently she would always look under cars to look for explosives. And she was very cautious around cars because she thought that her husband's family, her ex-husband's family, was going to try and kill her. And it just so happens that she died in a freak car accident. Yeah. Isn't that a little fishy? Oh, yeah. I don't know. This one always gets me, this uh, conspiracy theory. I'm like, hmm. Oh. All right. So for this, for this is, for this is. For this conspiracy theory, I like the was it the draft your ambulance? Yeah, that's yeah, that's very suspicious in mm-hmm. a sense. For Th- sure, and especially like these are paramedics; they're supposed to be trained on how to get people to hospitals. You know, they're not supposed to s- pull over on the side of the road and administer adrenaline. Like what? Oh yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, especially especially having having to drive her to a, to a hospital that's four to five minutes away compared to the five minute one. Yeah, yeah. And even I- even <coughs> if the hospital, hus- even if the five minute hospital, five minutes to the first hospital wasn't equipped enough, I'm pretty sure they could probably easily airlifted her to the forty five minute yeah. hospital as well. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. And this crash has to happen in a tunnel with no cameras, and it's just it's very. And if you look at the bigger picture, all the motives the crown had to kill her, like she was, she's been a problem for the crown since. Before she even married Prince, whatever his name is, yeah, Prince Charles. So it's it, it's very tragic. She was only thirty six, and she was such a trailblazer for feminism and for um, the LGBTQ community, uh, for the AIDS epidemic, for so many things. She was a, a trailblazer. That's what she was, and that pissed off the crown. And I mean. At the end of the day, there's no way to know for sure. Investigations have been done, um, and they've determined that it was an accident, and that's all that we'll know. But it's always fun to speculate. <laughs> yep. Well, that's all that we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, if you've made it this far. Um, let us know what you think about the topics that we've discussed today, and if you have any input, we'd love to hear your opinions. Um, make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Facebook for extra updates, and we'll see you next week. I think one of the reasons that we like conspiracy theories is, is I think that we, we like to feel like there is a group of people who are smart and powerful that they can pull the wood, 
wool over the entire country, country or in fact even entire world's eyes. That certainly makes us feel like somehow we're protected even if it's not in our best interest. A quote by Jason Riddler. Thank you.